This is Carl the Jackal Frampton. Hi, this is David Healy. Hello, this is Stephen Ferris. Hi, I'm Bethany Ferris. Hi, this is Joey Barton. I'm Jonas Gutierrez. Hi, this is Harry Kewell. And you're, you're listening, listening to The Score. The Score with Michael Clark. I'm a man. And welcome along to The Score here on Lisburn's 98FM and Bangor FM with me, Michael Clark. It's the day of the big game. Northern Ireland's women are gearing up to take on Belarus at Seaview tonight. Their sights locked on securing a Euros playoff place. Can they take a huge step towards realising that dream? Their manager, Kenny Shields, is on the show today. Plus, lots of Irish league chat as I catch up with Glenavon's Colin Coates, He's getting ready to face his former club Crusaders. And Corian's Lyndon Kane is hoping the Bandsiders can get back to winning ways. It's not going to be easy for them this weekend as they prepare to host Larne. Plus, Colin Hopkins returns with his Irish Premiership predictions. How will he fare? We'll find out later on in the show. It's all coming up right here on The Score. The Score with Michael Clark. Yes, it is an exciting time for football in Northern Ireland. Can the senior women's team get a win against Belarus? They're in a doubleheader. They then play the Faroe Islands, and we need two home wins. That is the story. Two home wins, and Northern Ireland finish above Wales in the group, which nobody really gave them a chance of doing coming into it. It's an exciting time for those players who have been defying the odds, who this week in training have been full of smiles, who in recent weeks have been in really positive form. And why wouldn't they be? They have been playing so well on the pitch. It makes sense that they're enjoying life in and around those training camps and under manager Kenny Shields, who to this point has been getting an incredible response from those players. Last week, he made a squad announcement couple of people unavailable that he probably would have liked to call upon. Everton ladies striker Simone McGill unfortunately not able to join up with the squad. Nor is Natalie Johnson of Sheffield United. Opportunities though for other faces to come in. Charlton Athletics Kira Watling back in the panel after quite a lengthy time out of it. And Crusaders strikers forward Emily Wilson. She bagged four in the North Belfast derby. Gets an opportunity in this latest squad. Also in Tony Lee Finnegan and Kerry Beattie, more of the women's premiership players getting an opportunity to get back in the international scene. And of course, the long-term absentees, Megan Bell and Emma McMaster, still out. Kirsty and Caitlin McGuinness, who play now for Science Swift's Ladies, formerly of Linfield, keep their places. And despite a nasty head injury, it looks as though Lauren Perry is going to be fit. So another goalkeeping option in a squad that, at its fair share, of injuries in recent times. So that's the background, if you like. Nine group winners plus three runners-up with the best records automatically will qualify for the tournament. The other six runners-up then will go into a playoff for the remaining three places to compete in a 16-team finals. So Northern Ireland, how do they get into that final six, into those playoffs? 
They need to beat Belarus. They need to beat the Faroe Islands. So we know what's expected coming into those games. It doesn't make it easy, but a big step was getting that win out in Belarus to make any of this possible. And it's actually the first time Northern Ireland's fate has been in their own hands for quite some time in this competition. After the squad announcement last week, I had an opportunity to chat to Kenny Shields and I began by asking him how he manages a psychological battle of sorts, keeping the spirits up of the new players and existing players ahead of two pressure matches. I think we have to be ourselves. You know, um, relationships are so important in football. Uh, The most important relationship, whether you're a coach, a goalkeeper, an outfield player, a manager, the most important thing is your relationship with yourself. And if we can get that right collectively, then we've cracked that psychological chapter as we go to prepare for the game. Relationship with yourself is, is a big thing in that. And we've seen, that, I guess, other circumstances in football where squads have had to change at the last minute and that's actually had a positive effect I guess people trying to stake their claim getting opportunities they might not have got is that what you're hoping for too? Of course Uh, we've got a lot of young blood there and young players certain young players uh, are free They've, they've got freedom and they have no case history to look back on and think well I hope I do better than them. Do you know what I mean? There's no competition with their train of thought. Their train of thought, I hope, will be, I'm going out, I'm going to do a job, and there's nothing to compare my performance with at international level. So they, they should be quite freedom of, of what they do. We, we want to provide them with that so they can go and play and enjoy their football and it's like a game in the park, basically, and, and that's what we're trying to create for them. Do you think this campaign has been a watershed moment maybe for women's football here in terms of changing the expectations and, and being able to realise some of those dreams going out and, and winning in the fashion that you did and Belarus being a good example of that? That's a fantastic question. And there is a barrier. And, and please, I don't know the answer to this, but if I am a Northern Ireland supporter, the Green and White Army or the badge, going to matches, and I'm going to watch Northern Ireland play away in Bosnia, or I'm going to watch them against Romania. That feeling of identity and relationship with your country as a Northern Ireland supporter, and we bring along the same sport, only in a different gender, and there's so many less supporters at the game. I see that should be an additional platform for supporters to go and support their country and be proud that that there is fantastic football, it's entertaining, but more importantly, it's Northern Ireland, the country where I belong. So how do I get that? And this is, this is what we have to try and help people to understand this is still Northern Ireland football team that's representing Northern Ireland and these girls need support. It it goes without saying that um, women are more emotional than men, obviously. But what we have to understand is they need that support much more than men in terms of 
getting behind them, seeing that someone cares about them. We've got 5,000 here, say, at, at a football stadium, and we're representing our country, and they're right behind us. What would that not do for the emotional uh, balance of, of a young female footballer? That, I think that that's where I want to arrive at. Getting there will have a lot of bumps, and, and we've got one at the minute. There's a massive obstruction because of the restrictions. So we're going to be bereft of that. But that's what I want to create in this job. I want to see us having to move from Seaview so that we have a stadium that can hold our support. But I have to be careful how I get this across to our Green and White Army because, you know, I don't know if there was many of them at our match when it was normal last autumn at, at home to Wales. We had a decent crowd, 1,500, but it's not big enough for me. And I guess that's part of the challenge on the players too, because we, we know football is a cynical game, Kenny. I don't need to explain that to you. If, if the results are going well, those numbers grow, and then it's the job to keep them. Yes, they will grow. But, you know, if... I, I know that we could make examples of why it, the way it used to be in the men's game, where there was maybe 4,000 at a match, someone was saying in the, in the paper the other day. And now... I'm sure this the stadium would be full at the moment mm-hmm. because even though the, the last game there, we had nothing to play for. But if we had a had Slovakia at home with all parameters and restrictions out of the way, I'm confident we would have beaten them. I really am because the energy that that brings to any human is insurmountable. You know, it's a fantastic energy to bring to come to Windsor and be proud of the stadium, to be proud of representing your country. We still have the same emotions as that they have in, in the men's game. And I would love to see us having to leave Seaview because the facility is not big enough. That's where we want to go with this project. You spoke uh, prior about, you know, if you were to get into these playoffs, it would be perhaps the greatest achievement of your career, mindful of obviously restrictions and injuries and everything else on top of that. Does that make the potential achievement that much greater? And you forgot one there, and mindful of my achievements. Um, but I, I think that if you look at what we're doing with this process and, you know, if you were to say it was a men's game, I have to use that comparison because that's where we're, we strive to be. If it was a men's game and we played maybe four Glantorn players, a couple from Cliftonville, one from Crusaders, three or four or five from Linfield, and put them out to play against players from Barcelona, from Leon, from Arsenal, you know, we know what the outcome would be. So what the girls are achieving here on this stage makes me feel so proud that they're ultra competitive. We're in the mix now to uh, reach a playoff. That's where we're at because of the quality that the girls has provided. And I think that's uh, that goes down to me as one hell of a, an achievement, not by me, but by all of the individuals involved in it. 
It's obviously you would never manage if you weren't still passionate. It's great to hear that passion come across. Um, obviously, that's something that's fed into your camp because the players seem to be raring to go too from any of the ones I've spoken to. Ashley Hutton, Simone McGill from the previous camp as well. They're saying that this feels different than in the past. Yes, I, I can't reflect on that. Only the girls can. Uh, and I don't want to be derogatory of the past. All I want to do is uh, look at what we have now and where we're moving with it. But you don't always move in the same line in, when, when you're progressing because you can be moving up and all of a sudden you get knocked back and then you get back again and go up above where you were. We have to ride the bumps and, and I'm sure that if we continue to be uh, positive with integrity and build uh, relationships that will always be true, then we've got a chance. I think we've got to use our, uh, I don't know if it's in our DNA, but it's in something that we eat here in Northern Ireland that we we, we want to look the way we the men's have been playing recently in the last two or three games. They haven't got results, but they've done really, really well, in my opinion. And, you know, we could get those bumps as well. So we got to prepare for disappointment because everything is aimed at getting here. And if we get a knockback, then it's a different psychology. We have to deal with that disappointment and then get back to work again so the girls have been brilliant uh they've been through a lot in their careers the ones that's the older players and i i want to do it genuinely i want to do it for them more than myself because they're the ones that's been through so much and they're the ones that deserve to be in a position of qualifying or getting near to that junction because they, they so deserve it and the carrots there now we know what's at stake yeah we've got to take it uh, the cliches are there but you know one game at a time as they say this is the one game that we've got to take in our stride make sure we make the right selections make sure we have them prepared uh, both tactically and technically and then all we can do is be our best we have a little saying, I have a little saying with the players that getting better never stops. And, and, and that's the sad thing for players. When they hear me say that, they think, well, when, when, when will it stop? But it never stops. Getting better never stops. And, and that's our motto. And I think the results bear out that we are getting better. Well, I hope getting better never stops. And I hope it never stops getting better for you as well, Kenny. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. The Score with Michael Clark. Well, it's time to welcome our next guest onto the programme. Joining us now on The Score is Glen Evans. Colin Coates. Colin, welcome to the programme. Good to be here, Michael. It's good to have you on the show. How are you keeping, first of all? Uh, checking in with everybody. Haven't seen you in a while. You doing all right? Yeah, all good. Uh, can't complain. Working from home and getting out my, my training nights and you know matches on Saturday, so that's sort of keeping any, any sanity that I have left, keeping it together. In a career like yours, you're, I mean, used to getting out there. The regularity of football has always been something for you. The irregularity of 2020, how do you come to terms with that? 
I think it's one of those things that you just have to, to roll with it. You know, um, I think when there's a when there's a global p- pandemic going on, um, it's important to, to kind of take stock of actually what is most important. And obviously, for for the last nine months, the the health and well-being of the, of the population and you know around Northern Ireland's been been paramount. And as a consequence of that, you know, footballs had to take a back seat. And you know, I think everybody was at the time and and even still now is, is very understanding of of why we are where we are and um and from an individual point of view it's been difficult but at the same time it, it sort of gave maybe myself a bit of time just to, to get away from football you know it was a bit it was a bit crazy sort of towards the end there you know just before lockdown leaving Crusaders and joining Glenavon and we got a couple, couple of games in before I left but it gave me time to go away and do a bit of a bit of my own work you know physically do a bit of you know weight training and a bit of fitness and just sort of make sure I came back and you know was was ready to ready to hit the ground running you know in pre-season and you know, it's 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 been a bit strange since we've came back. You know, with the with the lack of fans. You know, with limited numbers and being spread out even all around the ground. You know, even if you were to have, you know, maybe three or four hundred and they were congregating in one stand, it would maybe be be better. But the fact that they've had to be spread out um, right across the stadium sort of leaves it feeling a bit bare. But you know, it is what it is at this at this time. And you know, as players, we just have to adapt and and, and try and make the most of it. It feels like forever ago, but it was only the end of January that you joined Glenavon and yet do you still kind of feel like a new player because I doubt you've even played 10 games for them yet have you? No I think I've played about 7 or 8 um, you know not including pre-season friendlies obviously but it's uh, yeah it's, it's, it's such a long time ago you know it's nearly a year but like you say I, I don't still feel like I'm a new player and you know that's probably been you know for a lot of the boys that signed in January you know Callum Burney and you know Danny Perkis came in in January and and then with, with a few signings in the summer and, you know, looking around, you know, the other week we were playing, I think there were seven new players from January, you know, playing the team. So it's been, it's probably been difficult for us where there's been such a, um, a changeover of players, if you like, you know, there's been a, a big turnaround and, you know, sort of six, seven new players in the team. And we really haven't had that much time, um, in terms of pre-season. And then obviously, you know, a handful of league games so far to, to kind of get things to gel together. But, I think over the last few weeks we've maybe started to see that, you know, see a bit of a, a bit of an understanding maybe between, you know, Big Fitzy and, and Danny up front and, you know, even at the back, you know, myself and Wardy and uh Sing- Singleton and, and, you know, whoever's played in there as well, you know, Callum and Doyler and Daniel Armour, just sort of getting those understandings, you know, together and, you know, Michael O'Connor as well. So there's been loads of new players who have come in and it's just been a bit difficult with the way things are to try and get things to jail together. But I think, you know, slowly we're starting to get there. Were the first couple of weeks difficult because it certainly felt like when the season started it was going to be hard to predict what Glenavon side were turning up for the first couple of weeks. You've had some uh, high-scoring games. Yeah, you know, obviously the first day of the season, uh, losing to Portadown 4-2 um, it wasn't ideal. You know, losing to your rivals, it wasn't great. And it was a funny game. You know, it was a game that, you know, during the game you, you felt well in control of, but it just seemed to be every time you know, Portadown went forward, you know, they picked the perfect pass or we made a mistake and they get in and they, and they took the chance and, you know, they probably only had the four chances in the game and, and took all four and, you know, it, it was disappointing from, from our point of view and, you know, we obviously had the high score and draw with Korean as well, which was, which was similar, you know, um, we were well in that game, well in control of it, but give away soft goals at, at bad times and, um, you know, a few referee decisions haven't gone our way, you know, they're, you're thinking sort of back to that Korean game where, there was a, a stonewall penalty right in the last kick of the game, not given. And, 
um, one against Dungannon, and then the red card for Andrew Doyle at the Oval, and you know the one on Saturday against Linfield where Mazinga, you know, should have seen red and, and didn't, and you know those sort of things have, have went against us a bit this season. But at the same time, I think over the last few weeks our performances have definitely improved. You know, with a, with a really good performance up at Balamina, where we won, you know, two 0 pretty comfortably, and um, you know, even on Saturday against the Blues, and you know, where we're pretty comfortable, um, you know, and, and probably. Wouldn't have, been, wouldn't have begrudged us a point, you know, if, if we'd have got it. But, um, yeah, we just need to start looking, uh, picking up points. I think we're starting to get a better understanding around the team. And it's, it's now a matter of trying to go out and get results and get, get three points on the board and, and try and get a, a run of results together. I know this was certainly talked about when you signed for Glenavon, but what's the relationship like with Gary Hamilton? Because I, I've been there when the two of you have been fierce competitors against each other. Is it, is it an oil loving now down in Lurgan? <laughs> no, like you know, Gary's great. He's he's really, you know, he's approachable. You can you can ring him and you know and have a chat with him if you've any concerns or issues or you know if you want to talk to him about something. You know, you can give him a ring and you know there's there's no there's no problem. Like he's he's great and you know you back to the playing days. It was you know now that I've actually got to know him and, and looking those playing days were probably quite similar in a lot of ways. You know, um, you know that that competitiveness is what makes you you know a good a good footballer or a good sports person. You know. If you're going out there and, and you're not competitive and you're not wanting to fight and scrap and you know and, and try and win the game and you know you're not going to get very far and, and in some ways you know that was a, a big similarity probably that we had and um in terms of the whole setup at Glenavon it's, it's first class like you know um the way we're looked after you know from right down to the kit man who has everything laid out for you in training nights and you know washes all your gear and, and everything sitting there ready for you when you when you turn up the training and the coaching. The coaching staff, you know, uh, Mark Ferguson and, and Kyle Neal, you know, every session's, you know, ready, ready to go and, and all very well organised. So, you know, it's a, it's a great club to be at, great ground to be playing at. And, you know, hopefully over the next couple of months, we can start to start to pick up a few results and, and make sure, you know, we're in, we're sort of in around the top six at the minute. Um, and it's a matter of trying to stay there and, look, and looking above us and make sure we're not looking behind us. And it's going to be such a, I think, a hard-to-predict season as a whole. I mean, you look at the league table at the minute. If you get a win in your next game, you could be moving above Cliftonville in fourth spot in the league, lose the game, and all of a sudden you're only a couple of teams below you. So it's not panic stations either way is what I'm trying to say. There's a long oil race, hopefully, to be run here, but there's going to be um, lots of movement as the season goes on, I think. Yeah, I think you know, you've hit the nail on the head there by saying you know it's not panic stations. Um, I think this season, you know, it's, it's been well documented. There's so many good teams in the league now. You know, it's, it's, it's difficult to predict who's going to finish in the top six, never mind in the top two or three. Um, so it's, it's a case of not panicking. You know, when you win a game, it's, it's important not to get too, too carried away. And, and in the same token, um, when you lose a game, you know, it's not, it's not going to be the end of the world. You know, teams are going to drop points all over the place. And, you know, someone is going to put a run together, you know, similar to what Linfield have done, you know, early, early on in the season. You know, if you can, if you can put a sort of five, six game streak together where you don't lose, you know, and pick up a few wins in there, you're gonna you're gonna shoot up the table, you know, just the way it is. And you know, we've already seen, you know, Dungannon beat Cliftonville and you know, War Point through with Lauren. So there, like, there's there's a lot of tough games. There's everybody's kind of in the same boat, probably thinking, right, if we can get a wee run here together, we're gonna rock it up the league. So you know, we're no different, and you know, we're in the middle of a tough run at the minute where we played Limfield and Crusaders on Saturday, and I think with Lauren and then Cliftonville. So we've Bit of a tough run um, over the next few weeks, but these are the games you want to be involved in, and you know hopefully we can we can pick up some results along the way.
in terms of you already mentioned, you know, how strange it kind of feels playing in front of limited numbers and obviously we're going back behind closed doors again. As a defender, what impact does that have on you? We've heard from strikers talking about the kind of surreal feeling when they score and there's little to no reaction to them scoring a goal. It doesn't matter if it's a, a worldie or a tap-in. There's just kind of crickets by comparison. As a defender, is it weird not having people on your case when you're under pressure? How are you coping with it? Yeah, I think it, I think early on the season it was probably, you know, more difficult. Then you you know, like anything, you start to adapt and adjust and and get used to things. And I think as a defender, sometimes that little noise from the crowd and you know the sort of pressure maybe that that puts you under it focuses a mind a wee bit more. You know, and I think sometimes, you know, when you're when you're playing at a game and and there's no noise and you can almost lose a bit of concentration sometimes. You know, where when there's a crowd there, maybe keeps your like I say, keeps your mind a bit. A bit more focused, and um, you know, I even looking back years ago, I used to always, you know, the games I least enjoyed were, you know, away on a Tuesday night. Uh, you know, maybe one of the teams on the on the outer areas from Belfast, where maybe it wasn't a big travelling support. You know, you maybe had a couple of hundred in the crowd. You know, those were the games I least enjoyed because uh, because there was less fans there. You know, in comparison to maybe playing, you know, Limfield at, at Seaview where the ground was filled. You know, and there was three thousand people and. You know, you, you didn't have it. You knew you couldn't switch off, and, and that that certainly kept the mind focused. So, yeah, it's it's definitely different. Um, but like I say, it's something that we have to get used to. You know, we're now going down to you know maybe having that three or four hundred going down to having no fans. So, again, that's going to be different again, and it's something that we will have to just get on with. And you know, like I said earlier, it is what it is in terms of the the pandemic, and it's it's the right thing probably to do in terms of keeping people safe. Um, you know, particularly here before Christmas. So. Uh, we'll just get on with it and, you know, hopefully, like I said, we can pick up a few results and that'll get a bit of confidence within the team anyway and within the camp and, you know, that can carry us forward even if there's no fans there. And you're at home against Crusaders. Will it be a, a weird experience for you coming up against a team that you proudly captained and, and obviously played for for many years? Yeah, it'll obviously, it'll obviously be strange, you know, lined up against a lot of a lot of players that have you know, played with for you know, a number of years at, at Crusaders and, you know, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be strange, you know, for them probably as, as much as me as well. So, um, but it's a game of football, you know, I played against, you know, Jordan Owens and I played against Paul Heatley and all those guys in training, you know, every week. Um, so it's, I know what they're about and, you know, it's nothing that, um, other than a game of football that you're going out to try and win. And, you know, I, I've, I've kind of moved on now from that, um, in terms of, you know, playing for Crusaders and, and I'm loving, I'm loving life at Glenavon. You know, it's a, it's a great club and, you know, all the lads are great down there and we're, we're trying to do something this year. You know, we've got a, like I said earlier on, we've, we've got a good squad of players. You know, there's a, there's a really, really good group and, you know, we just need to, we just need to pick up a couple of results and hopefully we can do that on Saturday against Crusaders. So for you, in some ways, that break that we all had was maybe good for you to be able to close a chapter because it, it couldn't have been easy to leave a club behind that I know you loved. Yeah, no, you know, yeah, no secret about it at the time that, you know, that at, at that time it, I didn't, I didn't want to leave. You know, if they had offered me another contract, I would have stayed. And, you know, I made no secret of that. But when it wasn't forthcoming, then that was, you know, my mind was made up. It was time to, it was time to move on. And, you know, I'd spoke to Gary pretty quickly after that, and it all happened very quickly and got, got moved to Glenavon. And, um, I was, I was happy with that and I was content in my mind. But at the same time, you know, you, you do look back and on you know, the 18 years that it was there, you know, in the first team. And um, you do look back on that with fond memories, you know, and all the, the sort of players that you played with over the years. So, 
you know, it was difficult, but at the same time, you know, um, I, I moved to Glenavon at that time too, where I hadn't played since, you know, I hadn't played in maybe three or four months when I picked up a wee injury and I hadn't played. So, and it gave me that time when the, when the lockdown came just to go away and work on my fitness and, you know, a lot of the strength and the stuff I needed to do to make sure that, you know, the injury didn't come back. And, you know, it's been a good thing for me from that point of view. And, um, you know, it allowed, it allowed us just to get away from football for a bit and then come back into pre-season in a, in a, in a summer environment rather than moving in January, coming in the summer environment ready to go with a, a few of the other new lads. And it was, it was sort of a, a, a good clean slate to come in at that time. I tell you what, you know, when everyone's looking this weekend and talking about Tyson against Roy Jones Jr. and it's an exhibition match, I think they said they'll stop it if it gets cut and there's not even any judges. I'm far more looking forward to seeing Coates versus Chicken. I think there's a battle we all want to see. <laughs> yeah, there's been a few in training over the years, like, <laughs> but um, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. You know, Jordan's a great player. You know, he's when he's on his game, he's he's very difficult to to handle. You know, he's very very strong in the air. Everybody knows that. And, you know, it's not even the, the, the straight ball of the pitch. It's that one where it's crossed from out way and it's it's sort of, he hangs off behind the, the centre half. It's uh, the one that's difficult to pick up. So, yeah, you have to be on your game to, to mark big chicken. And, um, you know, he's uh, he'll be a handful for any for any centre half. But, you know, we've had a few ding-dongs in training. So, um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes on Saturday. You see, you've already sold it to me. That's the one that should be on uh, box office. It's going to be a, It's going to be a brilliant battle because, I mean, for years people have talked about Jordan as if it's such a simple thing he does and if it's so simple how can nobody stop him uh, that's the challenge that you like any other centre back will, will face this Saturday and obviously you'll be hoping your forwards are firing and, and creating some problem for uh, some of your old defensive partners Yeah you know um, been really impressed with uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick you know since he's come in from Corley in the summer he's a he's a good athlete he's, he's strong he's quick he holds the ball up really well and you know he brings other people into play and, and, and Danny Burgess is quite similar as well so we've got like we've got our own front men up there who who are more than a handful and again playing against them in training, you know, they're they're big strong boys and they hold it up well and they're difficult to play against. So, you know, it'll be the it'll be the same thing for Crusader Centre Halves. They'll be having to deal with, with those guys and, and try to handle them. But you know, that's football, that's what it's all about and it's about those V personal battles and the one V ones and you know, if you can come off the pitch at the end of the game saying, Yeah, I probably got the better you know, my man is marking it then if if most of your team can say that, then you should come out at the right end of the result. Fantastic. Well, I wish you all the very best for the season ahead. It's been good catching up here on The Score. The Score with Michael Clark. Good to get the thoughts of Glenavon's Colin Coates here on the programme. Before we go anywhere else, I just want to say a big thank you to Darren, I believe it was, who left a lovely review of one of our recent podcasts. I got a nice email that uh, you love the show so thank you very much Darren and I said I would also give Alan Holmes a mention on this week's program uh, because he's been in touch as well so thank you so much to everybody indeed that listens we don't typically do shout outs but when you send lovely messages in we must acknowledge you and we do appreciate you listening so thank you very much indeed for that now time to turn our attention to our next guest and he's an old friend of the program it's great to have him back on Welcome to the show, Lyndon Kane. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's been a while, so now it's good to be back. Well, it came up in my Facebook memories a while ago. Do you remember back in the days when you could cram into a room and we uh, managed to barter our way into a studio in Coleraine University? 
Yeah, me and Brad. You and Brad Lyons, because I had that in my head, and I thought it's probably the most inappropriate comment I've ever made on the radio, because I thought it'd be a good time to make fun of Brad for breaking his face, and I think he was still <laughs> trying to get over that injury, so it was probably the worst timing. Uh, probably was, to be fair, but no, he's good for it. The, the difference was, you can tell you and him are really good mates, because you laughed your head off, and he was trying to figure out if I was serious. <laughs> <laughs> no, he deserves it. He deserves it. Um, in terms of yourself, obviously, um, it's been a bit of a mixed bag, hasn't it, for Korean? Because the European journey was such an exciting time for everybody, but you've had a bit of a blip in the league. Any reason why that you can put your finger on? Um, I, no, I don't. I don't really think so. I think after Europe, it took us a couple of weeks to get going. Like more so even before the league started, it was like pre-season games and stuff. We were going through the motions and. We were just coming off something something massive that a lot of us had never ever experienced before. So um we found that not not found it tough, but it was just a weird situation that we were in. Um but in terms of the league it's just been it's been a disappointing start to be honest. We like we're not happy where we're at and stuff, but um there's been a few games where like performances haven't been that bad and and we've still lost. Like even like the Balamina game, the first game of the season, we still done quite well and done enough to win the game, but we must have had fifteen shots and we were we lost one 0 you know, so things like that, it's it's just disappointing and I think more than anything it's been kinda of individual errors that have caused us in, in games as well. Like even mine against Limfield, like for the first goal, it's just it's just if we can cut out individual errors, I think that's that's kinda of what's what's hurt us a little bit. Every team, every player will go through this in football. There's no question about it. How have things been in training? Because I guess when you're not used to it, when things have been fantastic for Korean in recent years, you can kind of get into this position of right, we're in a bit of a rut. How do we how do we stop being in a rut? Um, it's pretty much the same every single week. It's just get in and, and do your work and work hard. Um, and I think maybe that's what we have to do is just get back to basics of being hard to beat and, and as I said, cutting out individual errors and, and just getting back to like I working hard out working teams and and eventually hopefully that'll like the rewards will come off the back of that because training orange training's excellent. Um like you go there and it's it's very enjoyable. You you actually want to go to training to Thursday, you know what I mean? So it's something that we, we all enjoy doing and and every session is a tough session, but you do feel the rewards of it then on a Saturday, especially when you go on and you say win a game, and you do feel as if the week's training's been brilliant. Mind you, I know it hasn't been easy in terms of the way the fixtures have fallen away to Glenavon. That was probably the most bonkers game we're going to see this side of Christmas, the 4-4. And then you've had Crusaders and Linfield, and I know where the club is now, your club, you want to be giving them a better game, and you obviously want to be getting wins there, but... You know, if you were going to make excuses, I suppose you could say the way they've fallen also distorts maybe the league table slightly. Um, yeah, well, I suppose like the leagues, the league's going to be crazy this year. There's like there's probably eight teams fighting for a top six place, and then even the teams, the other teams that aren't in that sort of battle, they're still like giving other teams a game. Like Warren Point took points off Larn, which probably no one expected in the league. Do you know what I mean? So. Um, it was. It's been a difficult start, but it's something that it's probably just been like our own downfall as well. But again, we've had a lot of injuries. Obviously, clubs do. Every club has injuries and suspensions. But I think 
we sort of got, well, hopefully we've got ours all at once. And we're starting now to see people coming back into the squad that we haven't seen this season play. Like I think against the likes of Glenavon Crusaders, we had maybe seven first-team players missing. Um, but obviously that's no excuse, and that's why you do have a squad in football. But um, just seeing those faces back in training and, and, and back among the match day squad, it's, it, is, it brings more confidence again and, and more quality for places because maybe there was a time where someone, like even if you had a bad game, you might have thought that you were still going to play the following week. But now you having like players coming back, like Aaron Trainer and, and Adam Mullen, even Skinner missed the first few games. Jarvis, we've missed McGlo- like James, like James McLaughlin as well, and McConaughey too. So just having people like that come back, it strengthens up the squad, and, and hopefully it it rallies people on. They they go and perform again. I'm talking about you know difficult fixtures. Next game, obviously this weekend at home against Lauren. I'm actually going to be at that one, so I'm looking forward to seeing it. But um, they've obviously got off to a really good start themselves. Yeah, they were, uh, even at the back end of last season, I think they were 10 unbeaten before obviously lockdown came and the season uh, came to an end and, and they've continued that again. And there's no doubt they're top side, they're, they're full time and they've invested really well in the club and it's it's great to see, obviously, uh, for the league in general. Um, and now we know how tough a task it's going to be um, they're coming down full of confidence and even like scoring last minute goals like they did on Saturday. You know what I mean? So they're gonna come down full of confidence. But we're now in a situation where it's now or never we need to bounce back. Um and we need to sort kind of like kick start our season from now. So we're going into it as well and even though we've lost games we're still we're still confident that we are good enough to, to win the game and, and like put up a challenge to them. Um, so it's something that we do look forward to and we're working hard in training this week to, to get prepared for it. It does tell you how competitive the league is when you know this is going to be your seventh league match of the season. Normally we'd not be drawing any conclusions, but there is a sense with Korean of, you know, that you can't afford to really drop many more points already. Uh, it's probably, we've probably dropped points that we expected to pick up, like in games that we expected to pick points up in, so... That's disappointing. So it's the kind of games that's coming up, like teams that we know is going to be in there around us near the end of the season that we need to start to start winning. And I think I think this Saturday is probably maybe came at a good time. Last week, obviously, we had uh, no games today. Carrick having the players in isolation and stuff. So um, this game we've had two weeks since last week, which we did we didn't perform. So we've had two weeks to kind of. To think about that, train, play, play a game behind closed doors, like amongst ourselves, and and just really like think about the challenge ahead and where we where we want to be come the end of the season. And I think I think there's no better game. I think challenging yourself against one of the best teams in the league, and that's kind of how you want to bounce back as well. What's it been like with the reduced crowds? And I know now we're obviously going to go back to having no crowds for the next couple of weeks. Is that a weird experience for you? Um, it's kind of one now that you kind of get used to it. I think obviously having the four hundred and fifty, um, or whatever number it was, it was good. The way they were spread out around the green, and obviously it's not your Boxing Day bumper crowd, but having some kind of like a form of fans in the stadium, it, it is good, and it does create like an atmosphere. And if you are losing or the game gets tight, it does it definitely helps. And 
Um, again, back to no fans, it's, it's something that, it's difficult because at times the game can just fade out and feel very flat and feel like a pre-season game. But I think as players, that's kind of where we have to just step up to the mark and realise that there's still a job to do and you're still playing like competitive football. It's not like a pre-season game, getting yourself prepped up for the season, you know. It's really interesting um, because, you know, people have argued this, you know, about, you know, the, the old expression is the 12th man. And there are plenty of people that have said, oh, you know, do fans really make that big of a difference? But from the players I've been speaking to, it really does seem that the energy of a crowd does feed onto the pitch and can lift a team through a tough patch or, or, or drive you on to keep being better. Yeah, massively. And I think our fans are, are probably one of the prime examples in the league. I think they've been absolutely outstanding. Um Ever since I've joined the club, um, they've been brilliant and like they definitely do help when you have like a bumper crowd at the showgrounds for the the likes of a Korean Lymphu game or a Korean Balmini game. It, when you can hear them all singing and the game's tight, it does very young, especially like when we shoot down under the railway end and stuff like that. You can it's nearly as if like they're sucking the ball into the net or they're they're just driving you down and they they go on another attack and stuff like that. So. Nah, it's definitely a big miss, but again, we've we've sort of had a wee bit more experience than the other clubs when we played in Europe with no fans as well, so hopefully we can kind of use that to our advantage as well, that we're used to a scenario that's already happened. That European experience is obviously something you're going to want to get more of. It's addictive, isn't it? Just how much of a high was it for you to be able to be involved this time around and, and be as successful as you were? Uh, it was it was crazy. Like obviously starting with the the Lafayette game, like I think people had us tipped as like big favourites to go and win that game. But obviously warned warned us of they're a good side and like they had been in Europe like previous seasons before. And I think they finished second behind the team that Lafayette beat two one or something in, in the Switzerland tournament. So we knew it was, that was going to be tough, and like obviously it proved that we were on top and we had a lot of chances, but like we didn't score until I think way a minute to go, and like James's goal. But the night in Maribor was just something that it's it's so hard to put your put words to, it, but it's it's something that you could talk about all day, but it's hard to just explain like what happened because like even to this day, still struggle to believe that that you were part of it. It was fantastic, and like I, I mean, I spoke to Stevie O'Donnell the next day, and I think he was knackered emotionally and physically from the entire experience. But um, he just couldn't wipe the smile off his face, and it was a it was a wonderful thing to see. And you know, I make no bones about it. I was I was at home watching that game, like like probably everybody else listening to this program, screaming my head off because let's face it, you were huge underdogs, not just slight underdogs. And to to take it to penalties and then to win on penalties was um, it's just, just I don't think anyone could have believed it. No, it was it was crazy. The whole experience, like the size of Maribor, was like crazy. Um, you could tell even walking around the city centre. We walked around the, on the Wednesday when we arrived, and like Thursday morning that we went out a walk, and you seen so many other fans wearing the top and stuff like that. You just kind of knew how how big the club was, even within the city. And then even when like, we we went to train at the stadium on the Wednesday night, and you're seeing pictures of like Maribor playing against Liverpool three years ago in the Champions League group stage, 
And then I think that's kind of when it hits you and you realise like how big of a task it really is going to be, you know. I mean, um, stepping up to hit a penalty in a game like that, obviously you scored your penalty, but what was your heart going like? Was that one of the pressure moments in your life or or was the pressure off you? No, I think it was more pressure off. I think Warren, like Warren just said to us before the penalties, like just like how well we had done and like how proud he was of us to get, like and the full club to get even two penalties, and I think it was ju- it was just one of them ones like just take the shackles off and listen. If you score, you score. Pick a side now. He says, and then it's like if you score, you score. If you don't, you don't. It was like, but just be proud of what you've already done. Brilliant advice. But it was one of the, it was one of them ones that he didn't want like to be the one that missed or something like that. So even though we had said that, it was one of them ones that once we had got the penalties, like even Owen would have been the same. But it was like you wanted to win the game. Do you know what I mean? Do they write yourself down in history? You certainly do. I mean, looking down the, the list of takers in the Motherwell game, obviously um, nobody was able to get past Trevor Carson in the shootout after he'd conceded yeah. a couple of penalties during the game. And um, he, he was fantastic. I and mean, you just can't knock him for that at all. But I find it interesting that, you know, yourself, Gareth McConaughey, are, you know, up taking penalties ahead of some of the more attacking options. What is it about defenders that uh, you don't shoot during a game, but as soon as there's a penalty shootout, you're ready? Um, I'm not sure. I've always been one to put my name forward any time, like even when I've been at Corey and any time we've had a penalty shot or anything, I've always been one that I was confident in my own ability to to score a penalty. I've always I've always enjoyed taking them, even when I was a kid. And I think Garth's been the same. He always took them as well. And to be honest, I wouldn't want to be fancying a I wouldn't fancy facing a penalty from Garth because <laughs> the power he hit that one that night in Maribor was absolutely crazy. Yeah, it's if you're playing with your mates, that's a no blasters rule right there, isn't it? Ah, uh, definitely. <laughs> and uh, like it, you could just you could hear the net rip one. Oh, he hit it so true. I know. Um, what about penalty duty? You know, week in, week out. Ben Doherty's obviously uh, the number one man. No chance you wrestling that off him, no? Nah, I can't see it. Ben's Ben's done very well. In general, Ben's been brilliant for us as well. But obviously, his penalties have been been massive deals, especially in the last year and a half, two years. Um, so even when if like I think he's missed a couple, but I think obviously his penalty record speaks for itself. So I'll probably be waiting a while. I would say. <laughs> well, I appreciate you coming on to the score. Um, hopefully, it's a, an exciting match on Saturday. I've no doubt it will be Corian against Larn. And I look forward to watching it. Lyndon Kane, thank you very much for coming on to this week's show. Thank you. The score with Michael Clark. We have now reached that part of the programme. It's make or break for those who love a good prediction. Colin Hopkins, how are you? I'm doing well, Michael. Yourself? I'm doing very well. It's it's good to hear your voice again. It must be a Friday. It must be. I'm always glad to hear, hear your voice as well. It always means the weekend is right upon us, so we're ready for that. I know. I was going to say, it means you can put your feet up and do nothing, but all those people working from home probably have got a wee extra dose of that. Might be in. Right. <laughs> it can't be Can't be the only one here, no? Yeah, unfortunately, weekends for me is pretty dry at the moment, to be honest. You know, you get weekend off. You used to be all looking forward to the football and the sport and everything else, and all of a sudden, there's not really that much to look forward to now, to be honest, unfortunately. But it is what it is, and we'll all survive and get out the other side, and that's the important thing. We'll talk Dan- Danske Bank Premiership in a moment, but let's talk about the Championship and the PIL, because obviously now we know that the date has changed again, and the yeah. new date proposed by the NIFL Championship Management Committee 
was for the championship to start on the 2nd of January. And then the PIL committee uh, also had a chat, came to the same conclusion, the 2nd of January. So we're now back after Christmas. Yeah, well, that's the game plan. I think that's as early as we could probably start at the end of the day. I mean, I think the general consensus, certainly within PIL, when we said the original day, was that we wanted to give the players at least a couple of weeks to try and get some sort of fitness levels up before they start kicking ball again, so to speak. Uh, obviously, the Championship had a different opinion. They wanted to go more or less immediately, which we found a bit strange. But we're now all singing off the one hymn sheet that we'll all try to give players a sort of a two-week lead-in before they really start playing football series. The only problem is, isn't it, it's over the, the Christmas break, etc. But I think based on some what some of the players are saying, they're only glad to get going again, no matter when it is, and might actually suit better to be honest with you within or off for a few days from work and stuff, you know. So, so yeah, hopefully hopefully this will be the start of it this time, Michael. I mean, at the end of the day, if it's not back again, I think there has to be serious questions asked as to what sort of format the league will take if it, if it gets not back beyond the second of January. I think even at that, we're looking at sort of like a June finale probably. So that's really pushing back as far as it probably can go. So but we'll see how it turns out. Fingers crossed, 2nd of January, we're back on the pitch again. Yeah, it's uh, certainly been one that's divided opinion, but if you're a supporter of a championship club, if you're a championship team, there's only one way, and uh, that would have been the elite way, but not according to the powers that be. So uh, it is what it is. Um, It's going to be such a tight turnaround now. We are still waiting to hear, I guess, whether there will be any changes with the Irish Cup. They say no news is good news in a normal year, but it's not a normal year, is it? So... If you're starting back on the second, the Irish Cup is then the next weekend. It's not ideal preparation, but I guess at least you're back. Well, that's it. Obviously, I mean, as a club, we don't feature in the Irish Cup this year. I mean, as it turned out, we wouldn't have qualified anyway, as, as we do. But uh, that's another story for another day. But at the same time, I think, yes, at least we're back playing again. Uh, the Irish Cup is obviously completely different this year in that exception of a couple of the smaller teams that will go championship and uh, really sort of premiership. Obviously, a few teams in the PAL will take part in. So, but hopefully it does get up and running because, once again, the same as the league, it needs to get started in January if we're going to have a conclusion sort of in May for the final. It's turned even the most optimistic people cynical this season, and I know it's not been an easy one for anybody to try and manage. Um, so watch this space, I guess, because you can plan as much as you want. If restrictions don't allow it, then um, it's going to be uh, another screaming match to try and get things in place. That's exactly right. I mean, it, it is down to the restrictions. I mean, I know the league's authorities are doing their best to get things up and running. The clubs are keen to get up things up and running again. But once again, it's it's all down to the authorities. If they say, no, you can't go again, then we'll just have to cross that bridge and we'll come to it. Okay, well, let's talk about what we definitely know is happening. That's uh, the fixtures taking place in the Danske Bank Premiership this weekend. And there's one game at half past five. That's Warren Point against Linfield. That's also going to be a streamed game. So... If uh, you want to watch a game from home, sadly you're not going to be able to attend any. That's your best bet of doing so. Unless, of course, you're supporting your own club's stream, which is, uh, I guess, a novel side of this season. At least you're able to enjoy doing that. Um, but let's look at the 3 o'clock kickoffs first of all. And Corian Lorne is uh, an interesting one for me. We've heard already on the programme from Lyndon Kane. They know it won't be an easy game. Lorne have been in exceptional form. Already this campaign, they've laid down quite the marker. Can you see them slipping up against a stuttering Korean? Is this where the bandsetters get back on the track? Or are Larn going to make their early start even worse for Korean? Well, it has been, you know, Korean seemed to start okay, but they seem to have lost their, their way in this last few weeks. I think it's only 
uh, they're looking for their first win in four come Saturday. You know, after starting the season's potential league challengers, um, they, they now find themselves, I think it's 12 points adrift from Linfield even already at this, this early stage. So, and they do seem to be bad out of form. So they really don't want to be playing a side who's very much in form in the form of Lauren over this weekend. But that's unfortunately what comes ahead of them. It'll be a hard match for Lauren, don't get me wrong. I mean, Cole Raymond and Lauren have always produced, you know, exciting games, you know, in the past. I don't see that sort of changing this weekend. But Lauren have shown, certainly shown signs that they can go, all, not necessarily all the way, but very, very close to going all the way in terms of, I mean, we've seen last week against Cliftonville, you know, they've got a 95th minute winner, and that's usually the sign of a side who can certainly challenge for the, the title. I mean, to say 95 minutes, other clubs would say, well, it's going to be a draw now, but the battle, the battle, the battle. And obviously they the got the win in the end. And I know we'll talk about it later on. Is obviously they've got the county Andrew Shield coming up this weekend. That might just be the sort of the impetus they need to sort of go on and make a real good push for this league title this season. It can make such a difference, can't it? You know, obviously they're looking for their first senior honour since 1987. Their last senior final was 2005. This is a very different Lauren team from then. It's a team with massive ambition and aspiration, helped with the squad that they have available to them. And that Cliftonville victory that they registered last Saturday is a great point that you make because Richard Brush looked absolutely bulletproof. He was so incredibly good and yet they still find a way past him in dramatic fashion. Corner comes in, defenders are up, Robinson rises and plants the header past the keeper and 460 people were there, Colin. They made some racket for 460 people and that is what we're going to miss in these coming weekends because that there's nothing quite like the sound of a last minute winner. No, especially if it's for your team. It's not so good when it's against your team. <laughs> Very true. You <laughs> are for, for 94 minutes to give it away in the 95th, and you go home moaning and groaning. Where did that five minutes come from? And referees, you only played three in the usual sort of thing. But yeah, it definitely shows from a learned perspective. They're definitely in for the fight to be honest this season. You know, and that is the sign of a good, good side going right to the 95th, 96th minute to see the win. How many times did Fergie time over the years do it for Manchester United, as we all know? What about so that's maybe Lauren had that sort of in that direction. They would certainly love that. Um, what way are you predicting it's going to go then at the Coleraine showgrounds? Coleraine or Larn? I'm going to go for Larn. For some reason, I think they're informative over Coleraine. seem to be struggling a little bit. I think Larn might heap some more pressure on them come Saturday afternoon. Okay. Elsewhere in the Premiership at Solitude, Cliftonville against Portadown. And Cliftonville, if they felt bad about losing 1-0 late on against Larn, well, they can't feel too smart about being thumped 4-0 at home against Balamina. Yeah, that was a totally bizarre result. I mean, we'd have still been in our prediction league. That is one result nobody would have called to be honest. I would, I would love to have seen the odds before that one on a 4-0 Balamina win because Balamina were going into the game just struggling up to previous, up to last Saturday, but they were going in struggling a little bit. Cliftonville up and down a little bit, but you certainly wouldn't have seen them losing 4-0 at home to Solitude to Balamina United. Um, having said that, they seem to have lost their way a little bit recently. It's three defeats now in their last four. Um, so that's obviously a lot of injuries around at the moment in time, which is maybe sort of point of the fact maybe the strength and depth is not there as well as they need to be for a good challenge. So they'll be determined to try and you know sort of get something on the board against a sort of a board of downside who haven't played in a couple of weeks at Solitude and Saturday. Well, it's a strange one because I'd made that point after the game last weekend to Paddy McLaughlin about their away form because they haven't picked up a point on the road. And I thought perhaps you know a home game where they've looked better would bring a better result far from it i mean that was a it's a sore one and you do worry a little bit 
for Portadown coming into this one. Obviously, they've had some time off uh, due to the COVID policy. They had to um, miss a couple of weeks. They're back in action, and as much as they might be raring to go, they're coming up against the Cliftonville side that will not be allowed to make the same mistakes that they made. And I'm not taking anything away from Palomina, who were worthy winners. You cannot be at 4-0, but there's no way Paddy McLaughlin's going to allow what was the league's best defence last weekend to concede four again. No, most definitely not. And obviously in Cliftonville have been playing regular, so they've got the match fitness whereas Portadown might take a little bit of time just really to get that back into their, into their bones again. Um, Portadown, after winning the opening game of the season, I thought maybe they're looking okay, but all of a sudden they've now been struggling a bit. I think their defensive record is possibly the worst in the division. They've conceded 12 or something so far in, the, in their games played. And they're on the back of four consecutive defeats as well. So Plus also they've slipped down the table, I think they're sitting down the intent. So they're now all of a sudden from being in a potential mid-tail position, all of a sudden looking over their shoulders and thinking, towards what's going to happen in the next game? So they'll have to raise their game as well on Saturday, but it's, as we both know, apart from obviously during the week, Solitude is generally a very, very hard place to go get a result. So your thoughts are? I think Cliftonville will return to winning ways and defeat put it down Saturday. Okay, now to uh, look at a, another uh, game involving one of our guests from earlier in the programme, Colin Coates, was uh, chatting to us earlier, obviously, uh, Glenavon and Crusaders, two teams he knows very well. What way do you see this one going at Mornview Park? But Glenavon have had a pretty steady season so far, apart from that really open day defeat. The only other defeat was really defeat last time out, and they did certainly play a lot better than they have done in previous this is to Windsor Park, as I predicted last Friday. Not often I get it right, but I got it right in other case. But having said that, they were fortunate, you know, unfortunate that Linfield weren't reduced to 10 men at one stage as well. Mazinger, she probably went for, for lashing out a little bit, and so Linfield got a bit fortunate there. And if he had went off, it could have been a completely different outcome, you know, from that particular game. So, they have having a pretty steady season so far. Crusaders, obviously, you know, their only league defeat so far have been by the two top two sides, which is obviously Linfield and Lauren. Other than that, they're, they're, they've been doing well. Currently sitting third, and they're only four points off the top of the table. So I think they'll certainly go in optimistic that they can keep that win, win going you know, in terms of that. They did get a bit fortunate last week, obviously. Andy Davy went a bit penalty mad the game last week. Four, four penalties, and obviously Crusaders benefited from the majority of those. So, but the, 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 having said that, they have found with the net is quite right. I think they're second half scores in the division over 12 goals. So they'll be optimistic they can push on and close that gap in terms of the field. And what an Irish League story it was. I mean, proper Irish League stuff. Sean O'Neill speaking after the match. The the penalty um, that he saved, he says he would have never saved Dougie Wilson's early spot kick if he had have listened to the referee, Andrew Davey. Quotes from the goalkeeper. I asked Andy Davey where to go. He said, go right. O'Neill obviously had a bit of a chuckle and said, so obviously I went left. If Andy says, go right, you go left. <laughs> Do you, do you actually believe that story, do you? I, I, can you, I can do. Can you imagine the Irish League referee giving advice to a you know, goalkeeper before a penalty? But there's no way the referee knows what way it's going to go. There, you know, it's not. I don't think there's anything bad in it. I believe it because it's Sean O'Neill. If if right. someone had said to me, another goalkeeper, I'll not be unfair and name someone, someone says another goalkeeper had said this, I go, I couldn't see him do it. don't think it's in his yeah. character. Sean O'Neill's <laughs> always having fun even when he's under pressure. So I could imagine him sort of going, oh, what way will I go? And not no that he was taking it serious, but... Uh, no, well. 
it was an interesting conversation to hear about the banter and who they went on. But yeah, our play got it right on that occasion. You know? And by the way, he ignored the referee to save it, so the referee didn't give him any help. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know when Irish League tell you something, you know that obviously the truth is complete opposite. So, are you leaning towards the visitors then at Mormview? I get a gun in and think we might be looking at a draw on this one. This is oh. my particular draw of the week. You know, that's, <laughs> that's a good one for this we'll need a We'll need a jingle made production team get on that. Da, 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 da. <laughs> draw of the week. Yeah. Uh, what about Glen Torrin Dungannon at the Oval? Well, I think uh, we've seen sort of Glen Torrin's season in one match, if you want to look back at the Tuesday night. I mean, there's two chalk and cheese performances. The first half, I thought they were absolutely atrocious, and you can see exactly why they were sitting at the bottom of the table. However, second half, they came out and they looked like a side which was capable of winning the entire league, so they played so well in terms of that second half. So uh, I think that really has summed up their season. Just going to start, it may well be that this is the start is the one the one game which maybe you know, sort of spur them on to some of the greater things that they can produce that level of performance moving forward. And how disappointing for them as well. I mean, Dale Colling probably had the worst game of his career, unfortunately. And look, these things will happen for a goalkeeper. And no doubt when he's back from his suspension, it'll, it'll maybe produce one of the best games. But, you know, the first goal that went in went through him. The penalty that gave away he was involved in. Don't know if you could really blame him. He was sold short with Klukas's pass. And then the air kick when he misses the ball, cleans out, I think it was Shane Lavery, and gets the red card. It just it felt like so many things were conspiring against Glentor, and even if in the second half at the other end of the pitch they were doing so many things right. Yeah, very much so. The front line looked up to lethal in terms of that second half, as you say. Once again, a goalkeeping fiasco. That's the first time I've seen that the new keeper, I do have to say. I sort of thought to myself, well, I thought last year's keeper was bad. This one's not much better. But as you said, maybe on a one-off game, we'll maybe see the best of them once they sort of get through this, this particular suspension. What way are you leaning then? I mean, do you think Glentoran will get the win? I think they will. I think that obviously the second half performance will sort of buoy them up. To be honest, I think Dungana might find a, an informed Glentoran team determined to really move forward. Just before we move on the Glentoran game, I just think on behalf of the score, I just need to say well done to Marcus Kane and his wife Amy on the birth of their son. And given all they've been through over this last sort of year or so, I think that's really, really good news you know, for him and the family. Here, here echo that and uh, we're delighted for the family it's lovely to have some good news uh, to bring you on the program uh, the last game happening on saturday the tea time game half five at milltown in a word warren point or linfield linfield there we go and as i say time is against this but um the county Antrim shield final all the celebrities are coming out favoring lauren it seems big sam van gerwen and everyone uh, on twitter <laughs> <laughs> according to Lauren's account anyway. Do you follow that train of thought or are you going with the Glens? I think Lauren may well have the first trophy come this week to be honest. I just think that the emphasis is with them that there's a real sense of determination to get the first one under their belt and I think I might just carry them home. That's it. I think it'll be a very, very tight game, but I think Lauren will just edge it. I'm looking forward to being on commentary on that one at Sea View. On Wednesday, there you go. You've got all the celebrity endorsement you need, Lauren fans. Colin Hopkins is is all aboard the uh, the Inver Park success train too. Um, thank you, Colin, for coming on and giving us your predictions. Not a problem, Michael. Well, that's it. Bang out of time for another week. Thank you for your company. All that remains to be said is enjoy your weekend of sport at home. <laughs>